Welcome to the very first episode of Dark Tales with Wendy Weiss. I'm Wendy Weiss and I'm super excited that you're here listening. I really appreciate it. I know that it's been a little bit since I first started talking about this. Uh, I've had to just, I'm doing everything from scratch and I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm new at all of this. So I've been reading and re-recording and rereading all of the stories that you guys send in and I love them. They're amazing. I'm really excited for everyone else to hear them. But um, it's been, you know, a lot to get done. I also uh, wrote, recorded, I made the theme for this podcast that you'll be hearing a little bit later. So, uh, yeah, that's why it's taken, um, what, maybe like two months or something like that. That's not that long. Calm down. Be fucking patient. Get off my back. Um, so a little bit about this. What I, Here's what I want with this podcast. I want to read dark fiction. I thought that that would be really fun. Um, everybody likes spooky stories, but I also want Dark to be really open. I want it to not just be horror. It could be, um, I mean, dystopian, maybe sci-fi. The story structure could be loose. I really want, if you think that you have a story that you think is maybe dark, I've had a lot of people ask me like, what do you mean by dark? What kind of dark? And if you're asking that and you think you have something that applies, just send it to me. Please just send it to me. Um, I don't want there to be restrictions on this. I want a lot of variety. Uh, if you want to send me, you know, maybe some prose that you have. If you want to send me uh, a section out of your diary or describe to me your high school experience. If you think that's dark and sad, please send it to me. I would love to read it and hear it. And I'll let you know if I put it on the podcast. There's also, I don't know where this podcast is going to go exactly. I know that I want there to be a little bit more, but I'm not sure yet. I kind of just want to see how it develops. Maybe we could talk about dark things that are in the world today. Maybe we could just talk about writing and fiction and horror and things like that. Uh, And by we, I do mean me, myself, and only me, and that's it. But if you have input, I would also love to hear that. So if you have anything that you would like to hear or any ideas, I would love to steal them. So please email me and just let me know. I've got some ideas um, that I think I'm going to do, but, you know, we'll see. I'd I'd like to just see how it develops on its own. Um, And I guess just a little bit about me. My name is Wendy Weiss. I am a comedian in Portland, Oregon. I'm a comedian. I'm a stripper. I am a teacher also. I teach writing to elementary school children. And I also write fiction. So obviously that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast. And real quick before we get started, if you would like to send in your writing to be read on Dark Tales with Wendy Weiss, please email me at darktaleswithwendyweiss at gmail.com. The length is very loose, maybe at least around 1,000 or so words. Again, loose. Please don't send me a novel. It doesn't have to follow story structure. So let me know. Just email me. Our first dark tale is every Tuesday at 4 p.m. I Have to Feed the Sloth Man by Greg Neville. Greg Neville is a UK-born, Seattle, Washington-based musician and writer. He's a member of Seattle dream pop band Golden Gardens, as well as other projects. You can find more of his writing on Reddit under the username Ritual83. And now, please enjoy the very first dark tale with Wendy Weiss.
The sloth man doesn't look much like a sloth at all. He's named that for the speed at which he moves. He looks more like a pale, skin-wrapped skeleton. His limbs have a yellowish tint to them, as if constantly covered with old bruises. His fingers are long, fat sausages, adorned with tiny hooks where a normal man's fingers would have fingernails. His face is puffy, as if the visage of a much heavier person had been transplanted onto this beanpole physique. His eyes are sunken and gray. His mouth is a constant, curving smile which hides his jaw, which on several occasions I have seen stretch open wider than a dog's. The sloth man is constantly nude. My friend Marty, God rest his soul, tried to leave some old clothes he had at home for the sloth man to wear. Marty was always a little creeped out by the sloth man's nakedness. The skinny legs, the pulsating veins on the inner thighs, the genitals. Oh God, oh God, oh God, that's so obviously what they are. When we had checked in on him a few days later, we saw that he had been tearing the sweatpants and the t-shirt Marty had left there to shreds and had started building a nest. I'm not quite sure if he understands what clothes even are. When we enter his enclosure wearing our standard issue zoo gear, I wonder if he thinks that those coveralls are just our skins. Maybe he thinks that the air masks we wear to keep out his emissions are actually our own faces. I wonder if the sloth man is as horrified by us as we are by him. Marty got caught by him three or four months back. It wasn't a cleaning. We do that with a modified garden hose and from a distance. The sloth man gets so caught up by the pressure of the water that he ignores everything else around him. No, this was during a feeding. You might be wondering what the sloth man even eats. We found that he had something of a taste for lower shelf cat food. Friskies, Fancy Feast, Whiskas, anything we can get cheaply. The problem is the metal cans. We can't afford giving the sloth man anything that could be used as a weapon or turned into one of his nests. We have been told that the sloth man wants to hibernate. He always wants to hibernate and we can't let that happen. Never let the sloth man nest and sleep is the official instruction. No, they won't tell us why. Marty was scooping a can of beef fancy feast into the sloth man's dish when it took a notice of him. Like I said, he doesn't look like a sloth, but he sure moves like one. Slow, lazy, deliberate movements. It slowly pulled itself from its huddle spot next to the refrigeration unit. Every joint clicked as he stretched upwards. The sloth man stood some eight and a half feet when fully upright. It clocked its head to the left, watching Marty as he scooped the third of four cans into the sloth man's food dish. Psst, I hissed. Marty looked back at me. I gestured to him to look to his back right side. He glanced at the sloth man who had taken a single pensive step towards him. Marty looked back at me and nodded. I could see it in his eyes. He was deciding if opening the last can was possible in the time that he had left. 
He pulled out the last can of Fancy Feast from the rubber bag they were being carried in. He pulled the ring, and using a blue plastic spoon we are assigned for the task, he scooped out the cat food quickly and diligently. The sloth man had made three more steps toward Marty. It watched him like a cat watches a squirrel through a living room window. As much curiosity as there was predatory instinct in its sunken, sleep-deprived eyes. Marty quickly shifted the metal cans in his hand and dropped them into the rubber bag. Clink! My heart jumped into my throat. He dropped one. No big deal, usually, except it had rolled away. Past the sloth man. Halfway across the sloth man's enclosure. Behind the large grandfather clock that inexplicably sat on the far right side of the room. Rumor was that he had been found inside that grandfather clock decades ago. Before he had been delivered to the zoo. Before he had come into our lives. Marty ducked across the room towards the clock, deftly avoiding the outstretched sausage fingers of the monster in the case. He dove to the ground and started feeling around the base for the errant empty can. Psst, I called again. Marty looked right at me and nodded. He had to get that can. We both knew that. The sloth man could not be left with easily manipulated metal. The damage he could cause to himself and others would be irresponsible. Psst. I hissed again, this time not at him, at the sloth man who was still lowly shuffling towards the man shambling on all fours around the grandfather clock. The sloth man ignored me. Psst. I tried one more time. I tried to catch the sloth man's attention. Marty! I tried to grab Marty's attention. That thing was so close to him, so near. Its long arms reached out for the coverall-clad man. Long sausages squirmed towards him. Just like that, it was upon him. The small hooks buried their way into his back and neck. I hit the panic button near the observation window, and the guards were there in moments, guns out, ready to fire. Two of them held long poles ready to prod, poke, or even bludgeon the beast. It took about five minutes to separate the sloth man from his dinner. Marty was barely recognizable as a human, having most of his vital fluids drained from his body through those hooks. He looked mummified. I was reprimanded, mostly due to the fact that the responsible party was no longer alive to answer for his mistakes. We have a new feeding protocol now. Marty's family was fed some lie about him falling into a tiger enclosure, and his corpse was altered to match the story. Today, I have to go and wash the sloth man. I and three other people have to enter that enclosure, point a hose at him, and spray him with water while he screams in a voice that sounds more like an owl's than a man's. You would think that I would relish this. A small amount of revenge for my friend's death. But I don't. I don't hate the sloth man. I feel sorry for him. I hope that the sloth man dies soon. For his sake, not mine. But I don't think something like that ever dies. <laughs>